Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, worship team. Amen. I just felt strongly that I should read Psalm 27. Amen. And I'm sure just that was somebody's sermon for today. Amen. Let's pray. beautiful Savior, mighty Redeemer, the Lion, the Lamb, you are all of that, and we are proud to be your kinsmen, your brothers and sisters, your joint heirs, your children. This morning we are here because of you. It's not because of man. We are here because of you. Speak to us. Let your will be done. Show yourself strong on our behalf today and be glorified in this service. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So last week we began a series on prayer. Uh, Brother Kujo shared his testimony of what his prayer journey has been since he became born again. And it was a tremendous, tremendous time. Amen. And today, I am compelled to also come and share my <laughs> my journey with God. Amen. We originally had somebody else scheduled to, to, to preach today, and they canceled last week. You know, I wasn't supposed to show up for a few weeks, but today I'm here. Maybe God thinks somebody here will find my testimony interesting. It's a long story, but to put it simply... You know, some are born with a a silver spoon in their mouth. Some come with aluminum spoons. And I came with no spoon. (laughs) But I thank God I came with fingers. Amen. Amen. And all of my life, every single phase of it has purely been because of God's grace. Amen. I have never had the privilege of having a proper backup plan. You know, uh, 
you know, some relative you can call and you know that if they have, they'll sort you out. It's never really been my privilege. It doesn't mean I don't have family that care. But you see, people can't give you what they don't have. <laughs> you know? Uh, so yes, I'm sure I've received a lot of prayers and some level of support to be able to get here. Amen. But the truth of my life is that God has always been my main and only source. Amen. I became born again when I was very young. You know, uh, at the time I lived with uh, relatives at around Palladium, Old Accra, and my auntie's husband was very insistent on me not going to church. He hated the idea of me going to church. I showed up at church one Sunday, and on my very first Sunday in that church, I gave my life to Christ. I received the gift of the Holy Spirit, spoken tongues, but I didn't really. There was no proper discipleship, so. I had this gift. I was born again, but I didn't know what anything meant. And then when I went to secondary school, uh, I, I, you know, if, if I create a picture of a, a good boy, very, you know, you know, Brother Kujo was a very good boy. I, I wasn't. So I was the kind of kid that parents would advise their children not to play with. You know. I was famous for cracking people's heads with stones, whether I won the fight or lost the fight. But you need to understand that if you grow up around Palladium, you're in the Bukum enclave. And it is purely survival of the fittest. I'm not joking. It is survival of the fittest. This is a community where when two children get into a fight, the adults don't separate. They form a circle around you. <laughs> And it goes on and on and on. And one of the lessons I learned in childhood is that one of the worst fights anybody can get into is a fight with somebody who is just as strong as them. If the other kid is stronger than you, they beat you up quickly. If you're stronger than them, you beat them up quickly. But when they are just as strong as you, the fight goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Until both of you get tired, you can't throw another punch, and then you have to separate at some point. And the the the, the crowd, the very very happy crowd, break out laughing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was me growing up in 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 in, in Palladium or Adidingpo, as as the neighborhood is properly properly called. Amen. And throughout the years, I mean, there were times when my siblings called me Romeo. Because they said I was always roaming somewhere, you know, that my mom would be at work and she'll hear, Oh, I saw your son on the bicycle and the vehicle nearly hit him. He was riding like crazy here. I saw him here. And there were times when I was a teenager when I really felt that if I was to die where I was, it would be impossible for any of my family members to know. <laughs> because they had no idea where I was. You know. But the truth is that on that Sunday when I was younger and I gave my life to Christ, God sowed a seed in me. And that has always led me back to him. Amen. Over the years, I've become, I've become many, many different things. I've worked in different places. I had diverse opportunities. And I never forget where he actually picked me from. And I think that has been my 
salvation in many ways. I remember one time in Amsterdam, uh, there was a young a, a gentleman who thought I was stealing his bicycle, but actually I was just taking a photo with it. It was it was actually old and rusty. I wonder why he thought I was stealing it. And then we got into a conversation about his camera, and then it turned out I had the same thing. And then next thing was he complaining about his some of his equipment not working. And then I showed him how to use it properly. And then he looked at me. And he's this old Jewish white guy. He looked at me and said, you know, for a young African, you're quite unusual. (laughs) And when he said that, I looked at him. I didn't know whether to be offended or to be flattered. (laughs) Because the, the real question is, how many young Africans have you met? You know, and the truth is, I don't think he has met that many. But the the next thing he did was he invited me to join a cult he's a part of that meets somewhere in South America once or twice a year. And they go walking on fire and all that. And it was very promising. And he was a very rich guy. And I looked at him and I said, I'm so not interested. (laughs) I am not interested in this. And there have been many, many, you know, as as you go along. And there have been many times where God would put me in a room and people will look at you like, what are you doing here? We don't expect you to be here with us. How did you get here? You know, because quite a number of them probably sold their souls together. You know, paid high price together. And then you are there and you're like, how did you get here? You know, and the simple truth is that God has always been my source. Amen. I think one of the biggest blessings of my life was knowing that I had nobody. Knowing that if I died by the roadside somewhere, nobody would have made me out. You know. This morning, I want to share on prayer, but I want to share the other aspect of prayer we hardly talk about. I want to share about the listening part of prayer. Prayer, fundamentally, is communication with God. Amen. In every communication, unless it's a broadcast where I sit on radio, and I used to work in radio, and you just open your microphone and you talk. And then when you finish, you stand up and go. But in prayer, I speak and he listens. And he speaks and I listen. Amen. It doesn't end there. As proof of my obedience, I'm supposed to go practice what he said to me. Amen. So the Bible will tell you that faith comes by hearing. You can't hear when you're not listening. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. This is the source of all faith. Amen. When you listen to God speak, the first thing that is shocking is how loud the silence is. You see, it's very, very easy to hold a microphone or if you don't have a microphone, join up with friends and then you form a big circle and you start praying, speaking in tongue. And, and do the drama for hours and not actually pause to listen. It's easy. It's very comforting because you sweat. You probably lose your voice. You end up sounding like a Sachmo. And I said to myself. (laughs) And you feel fulfilled. 
like Charlie, today we shook the kingdom of hell. Eh? And you actually still leave as you came because there was no space for listening. Amen. I once met somebody who said, when I talk, I only repeat what I already know. But when I listen, I learn something I didn't know. Amen. When we listen, that is when we get to learn. Amen. And as you listen in prayer, one of the things you will learn is that the Holy Spirit is a bottomless well of ideas. Amen. The Holy Spirit is a bottomless well of ideas. And how can we, his children, not expect that he will lead us through unknown, unexpected terrains? The Holy Spirit is the power that created the world. In the creation story, he's the one who hovered upon the chaos and the emptiness and brought order and beauty and meaning. Amen. And today we say that when we become born again, the same spirit indwells us. He comes to live within us. So how can we have this creative being? In fact, the one who created everything living within us and not expect that he will lead us in crazy, unexpected ways. In John chapter 10, Psalm 23, both of them point to who God is to us. And he's called the good shepherd. In Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. Amen. But exactly what does it mean for him to be our shepherd? First and foremost, it means that we must be sheep. Amen. I've never met a shepherd leading chicken. I've never met a shepherd leading lizards. You know. In fact, the first part of the word is sheep, and originally is from sheep. You know. He hurts sheep. Amen. I can tell you for a fact that in knowing that I have a life where I had nobody and no support, I had to quickly learn to let the Lord lead me. Amen. And over the years, I've gained a reputation for being creative, for being savvy, for being smart. But none of that is really my making. It is the courage to obey his leading. That's all it is. It is just the courage to obey his leading. The voice of the Lord will often lead you down humbling paths. Amen. Humbling paths. And then he will lead you through haunted valleys. Valleys that are haunted. And he will lead you up impossible mountains. Amen. What do I mean by this? In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9 to 14, we read the account of Naaman the general, who was also a leper, coming to Israel with a letter from his king to see the king of Israel. You know, coming with his entourage because a slave girl in his house had told his wife that there's a prophet in Israel who can heal you. So Naaman shows up expecting royal reception and he does receive royal reception from the king. Only that the king is frustrated because he's like, I'm not God, I can't heal you. And then the prophet is sending him over to me. Amen. 
So he rises chariots. Think about it. The man shows up with chariots and horses and armies to the house of the prophet. And he had an expectation of how the prophet would come. And he actually says it. You know, maybe we should read it. Amen. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. To save time, I will read from verse... Let me just read it quickly. I'll read from 1 to 14 quickly. It says, The king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. At this time, Aramean raiders had invaded the land of Israel, and among their captives was a young girl who had been given to Naaman's wife as a maid. One day, the girl said to her mistress, I wish my master would go to see the prophet in Samaria. He would heal him of his leprosy. So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter of introduction for you to take to the king of Israel. So Naaman started out carrying as gifts 750 pounds of silver, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing. The letter to the king of Israel said, With this letter I present my servant Naaman. I want you to heal him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes in dismay and said, Am I God that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal someone with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and, and, and stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers of Damascus, the Abana and the Fafa, Fafa better than any of the rivers of Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child and he was healed. Amen. So this is Naaman's story. He shows up with great expectations of how we should be. And the prophet doesn't even bother to come see him. He sends a servant. <laughs> go out there and tell him. Go and dip in the Kali Lagoon seven times. <laughs> it's like what? There are better rivers where I came from. Amen. You see, a lot of the times we pray so hard and scream so hard because we don't like what God is saying. So we try to outshout what he's saying. Many times he will lead you down humbling paths. It's not difficult. It's just humbling. Looking at your class, your status, your level, you shouldn't be doing that. But that is where he will lead you. Amen. 
he shows up in Genesis chapter 22 verse 2 and he tells Abraham, go and sacrifice for me your son, your only son Isaac whom you love. Think about that. The man was 90 what? 197? He was old. And finally, finally, the blessed, the promised child had come. And God says, go sacrifice that son for me. And then I will know that you love me. In Hosea 1 verse 2, he shows up and then he tells the prophet Hosea, go marry a prostitute. In Acts chapter 10 verse 13, he shows up and he tells Peter, Peter, get up, get up, get up. <laughs> You've seen all those reptiles and animals, all these unclean animals. Go and eat them. Go and kill them and eat. This is a Jew who will not even touch pork. And God is saying, go and eat snakes, lizards, insects. You can imagine how offensive it was to Peter's ears. And then in Luke chapter 1 verse 30, he shows up to a young virgin girl, very respectable girl. And he tells her, I want you to be a born one virgin. You have to be familiar with the song together joke. <laughs> you know. But these are humbling paths. Amen. When the passion, I mean, I won't say that I felt that God was calling me to do photography. I, I worked in advertising. My, my last job in an ad agency was creative director. In fact, my complimentary card said executive creative director. Something like that. Fancy title. But the only thing I really ever wanted to do at that time in my life was to take photos. You know, I wanted to be a bra photo. It's a profession that culturally is not respected in this country. You're supposed to show up at the church on a bicycle and with your camera and then you take one photo and then you print for them. I think now the price is 10 CDs, but back then it was one CD, two CDs, you know, something like that. And I'd have friends who would Say, you know, I remember one time I, 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 a friend was outdooring the child, so I showed up and took some photos, and he wanted to introduce me to his parents. And he said, what should I introduce you as? And I said, but I, I'm a photographer. He said, no, 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 I can't say that. Ah. You know, they will think you are. <laughs> you are no. I said, yes, but I'm a photographer. <laughs> Amen. God would often lead you down humbling paths. I've been to events, you know, and the casual disrespect with which Ghanaians will tell you, hey, photo, photo, take me one. How am I? It's, you know, very, very disrespectful. I mean, there were times when I really enjoyed going to Europe. So there were times I go like three times a year. Because in that culture, when you say a photographer, like, whoa, you're a superstar. Yeah, you're a nobody. But photography brought me so much joy, brought me, I can say that in terms of, channels through which God blesses his children it has been for me a very fulfilling channel amen but when the passion the desire came if I looked around and listened to the advice of people if I listened to my own family I would still be carrying the title of creative director or probably be running an ad agency and be still be having sleepless nights trying to sell uh, Freitol and Milo and I don't know what else they sell nowadays. Sometimes when we pray deep down, we know what God is saying, but we don't like it. Because it is a sacrifice for me, your son, whom you love. We don't like that. Sometimes we pray so hard and so persistently, hoping God will change what he's saying. This is something Jesus himself did. 
sweating blood and said, Father, if it's possible, let this car pass me by. Uh, you know. But he's faithful. He's always faithful. Amen. You know, in, my, in this journey, I don't think I've ever been the most prayerful person. In fact, I hated prayer. In the sense that because I became born again in the charismatic movement and prayer was, you know what you can hear upstairs? And at some point, as I sought intimacy, I, I learned a few things and maybe this will help somebody. You know, the idea of shouting so God hears you in itself connotes that you think he's far away from you. You know, if I'm standing close to you, why do I have to raise my voice? Think about it. John Wesley said, God is closer to you than you are to yourself. He's closer to you than you are to yourself. I don't mind shouting. I mean, I grew up at Palladium. I can shout. It's easy. But if the person, if you know that he's close to you, why are you shouting? And sometimes, you see, it's really about the fundamentals. If you really believe that he's your father, imagine that my children, one of them will come and stand in front of me. Father, father, I need a father. And then sometimes they'll fall. No, but you come with that posture because you're not ready for a conversation. You're not ready for the deeper questions. You're not really ready to be led by God. Amen. I mean, the people who wrote the Bible, the inspiration that, they, that came upon them to write this, do you think it came in the midst of shouting and screaming and yelling? No. It is in the quietness of his presence that they heard the heart of the Father. God is faithful. Sometimes when we say God is faithful, people misunderstand it. They think that if God is leading you, then everything has to be good. But God leads you on a journey. Amen. And where you are is not the destination. Amen. So until you get to the final destination, you don't have the right to criticize where you are. You are not at the end of the book. You are either at the beginning or in the middle somewhere. The story isn't over. I don't know how many of you are soccer fans or sports fans, but maybe your favorite athlete runs a race. And then you hear that they won. They won gold. Okay. So the race has already been run. And then you are watching it now. You are watching a replay. You see them fall. You see them stumble. You know, you see them get muzzle pulls and all that. But what happens? You don't really care. Why? Because you know that they won. Amen. You hear your team won by four goals to zero. And then you are watching the replay. What, what posture do we take when we watch a replay of a game we already won? We see the obstacles, don't we? We see the challenges. We see the bad officiating. You know, we see everything. And yet, we don't worry. We are not anxious. Why are we not anxious? We are not anxious because we know that we won. Amen. And this, for me, has been my journey. Sometimes it is very turbulent. I'll tell you something. God, I mean, I personally think God has a massive sense of humor. I think yesterday or two days ago, uh, one of my children asked me, Daddy, what's a tenant? 
like tenants. And I was driving and I think I wasn't in the mood to define words. You know? So I said tenant. But when the way he said the word, I remembered when I used to be a tenant. And all the unpleasantness. There was one time when my landlady gave a portion of the house to a church. And at the time we had Aduma and she was a little girl. And around, you know, they'll be doing the all night thing and your baby can't sleep. I finally got the police to come and carry my landlady, her children, everybody to the, to the regional headquarters. And even the police were afraid for me. They're like, hey, your whole landlady, they will kick you out of the house. Oh, don't worry, I cried. There are many houses. <laughs> you know, but I remembered when that child just asked me that. You know? And then this morning we are faced with this. But but this is also another thing God has always taught me. God works with, with me in very interesting ways, you know. Because of this, I am already seeing us having our own place. Amen. And it's not listen, in my work with God, it's not it's not a hustle, it's not noise, it's not bullying the church to give, it is not any drama, you know. I would never lie to anybody, exaggerate any testimony, any miracle, promise you 24-hour miracle. None of that. None of that. God provides and he always provides. Amen. And I'm telling you this as his son, his servant, somebody who loves him dearly, somebody to him, he has always been faithful. You'll be here and you'll hear that he has provided for us our own place. Amen. Amen. And I want to tell you this, that it's beautiful working with God. I have many needs. No, actually, that's a lie. I don't have many needs. Sometimes I try to find a need. You know, you, you try to, because you want, you know, you haven't bought something in a while, so you would like to buy, but it's not a need. Amen. In fact, I don't remember the last time I had something I can call a need. Because a need means that it's, a very fundamental, you know, something that you need. I've ne- I don't remember the last time I had that. It doesn't mean I've, I've, I've never known abundance in the way some people know it. I've never had a million dollars to my name. None of that. But I know, I mean, 100% without a doubt. Because why? Because God has always been faithful and has always provided. Amen. And in my walk with him, if he brings a vision, he fulfills it. Amen. It is not in the noise. It is not in the drama. It is a father-son relationship. And you are his child. And he will take care of you. So this is my testimony. When you pray, pause to listen. Amen. Listen to what he has to show you. And when he shows you, have the courage to walk in it. Many times, what he will show you will require courage to walk in. It will require courage. Because he's the Holy Spirit. He has to lead you in areas where everybody will know he did it. It will always require courage. If it doesn't require courage, if it doesn't shake your resources, if it doesn't rattle your world, it is not him. When God leads you, it will always require courage. And that's why if you depend a lot on the approval of others. I remember this is a very short story. My time is up. A friend, when a prayer meeting, and Prophet One told a friend, you know, that I, I sense that you are going to change jobs. 
And before that, I had had a conversation with a gentleman, so I knew about it. I had met him just before the prayer meeting. And I told him, take the new job. It's not as glamorous, but that's where God is leading you. And you know, typically me, on that day when there were two confirmations, on something I was already sensing myself, that's it. It's not a long conversation. But he went on for months, and then his wife, and then this, and that. And I'm like, how will God speak to you the next time? If it takes you so long to take one little step, but finally he had the courage to do it. And today he's the happiest man. Amen. So many people are not seeing the power of God because they know where God wants them to go. They know what step he wants them to take, but they don't have the courage to take that step. This morning, I pray that you receive the grace and the courage to step in the direction God is leading you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your word. It came simply, but it is your truth for every one of your children who lacks courage, who is afraid to step in the direction you are leading them, who is overwhelmed because they are looking at the storm and not looking to you. May you pour your grace upon them this morning and may you lead your children. May you show them where you are leading and may you be glorified in their lives. May you be glorified. May they come back with testimonies of your goodness. May they come and testify about how you led them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. We thank God for this great message. Um, as usual, today is the fourth Sunday of the month, and we allow questions after service. No question. Then I'll ask the question, but no answer. So, Nana, are you saying all the noise, if we pray noise, God doesn't hear us? Or because, as you said, your experience has been in the quiet moments, and many people pray very noisy and shouting. Are you saying that when we pray that way, God doesn't hear or listen? No, I think God hears you when you shout. Uh, but you create a very bad impression about who he is. You know, if, if my children always have to shout before I meet their needs, what kind of father am I? You know, and, and that's more what it's about. But if all you know to do is shout... You have to do some growing up. It's more your than, you know. He's your father. He loves you. He'll provide. Amen. But the shouting is some way. <laughs> so in the same topic of shouting to the Lord, we see in the Old Testament, in the Bible, I don't know if that's why we, what we use to justify, but we see many instances where it's written that they cried, they shout to the Lord as they were praying. So maybe that's this thing that uh, nowadays we are using also to, or people are using also to, uh, to shout to the Lord when they are praying. So what do you think about this? In the Old Testament, there are many instances where people were actually shouting to the Lord as they are praying. Okay, so one of my favorite scriptures says, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. 
and we shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. There are many, many such scriptures, you know. There are shouts of victory, shouts of celebration. I mean, if you go to a party and the music is, is low, it's some way, you know. You want to dance, you want to shout, it's fine. But remember that at the time the Old Testament was written, there were no microphones. It's, it's, it's important to remember that, you know. <laughs> In fact, at the time the whole Bible was written, there were no microphones, you know. And I'm sure that if I didn't have a microphone and I was talking to you, I probably would have to raise my voice so you hear me. But now I have a microphone. So how do you justify holding a microphone? And normally the volume will be very high. So, I mean, really. Really. It's, it's problematic. You know? But my main problem with shouting is that it's impossible to be shouting and be listening. I think that is why I have a problem with it, you know. It's not necessarily the shouting, you know. But when I'm, like, when I'm watching soccer and I'm shouting, it's not the time to be having intelligent conversations about the economy or about something else. It's, it's, it's football time. Go! What? You know, but when you are talking to your father, especially if you go thinking, knowing that he's a bottomless well of ideas, I think you should go with a posture of listening. Because that is how you get blessed. Amen. I mean, how, did this, how was this church born? It was from a moment of listening. So we entered this new year and we knew that, no, it was time for Accra Community Church to start. That's all it is. If we're shouting, we probably will still be shouting by now. Final question, yes. He's bringing a microphone attend any of these shouting churches, you realize that they don't succumb to God's will, but they almost order God to do things. Mm. God should come down and do this. God, why haven't you done this? And so on and so forth. Well, that is why I don't like it. I like to have a quiet communion <laughs> with, with God. And I have realized that he listens. So I, I feel very uncomfortable uh, at churches that shout. I think we should not order God about. So, and that is mostly what they do. Criticize and ask God and force him. I don't think that is right. Amen. Thank you, mommy. Amen. Uh, today, would, I, would have permi I would ask permission to go over by five minutes. Is that okay? Because I think there are a few more questions and contributions. I see two hands. Sorry. Okay. Just to make a little contribution. Thank you very much for your word today. The humility, the courage. I'm going to go away with that to, to hear God and do what he says. But I also really found it important what you said about the relationship thing. And I think that's what determines the tone of the prayer and everything. So I just want to share a story about Smith Wigglesworth. I know some of you have read about him, powerful man of God, did so many amazing things. It said that one day he was in his room when he opened his eyes and then he saw the devil himself, like a big demon, huge, standing over the bed, you know, to frighten him. So he opened his eyes, he saw and said, oh, is that you? And then he went back to sleep. And I think it's, it's the relationship he has with God. I probably will start screaming and shouting and binding demons and all that, you know? And I say it because I think Monday at a prayer meeting, 
Nanakovi talked about a similar thing, and he mentioned apart from the relationship, authority as well. I think when you know your authority, you don't have to shout for someone to obey you. You know, if your child knows who you are, your authority, you just have to say, sit down, and he sits down. But if he doesn't know who you are, you may have to scream and shout, hey, if you don't sit down, I'll beat you. You are struggling to make it happen. But the more, if you know the relationship you have with God, you know the authority you have in him, really there's no need to shout. You can say it as quiet as possible. If it's from the president of the United States, the president of Ghana, you better be because he's a president, whether he shouts or he whispers. So I think the shouting thing, really, we need to look at it. It's, it's a sign of relationship and our understanding of our authority. Amen. Amen. Uncle Edwin? Okay, so after Emma, the last one will be Uncle Edwin. And then. Oh, Emma, okay. no. This is actually meant to be funny. So you no, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. So I'm sharing a story. Somebody else told me this story, but I just thought it was interesting as I was listening to all the comments here today where uh, apparently there was a painter who was painting near our house recently who was deeply in the throes of, of worship and he engaged with someone else and they had a just a commentary about the, the worship and he said God is such an amazing man and so the next person asked him a man is God definitely a man he goes how God can only be a man <laughs> 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 uh, I think uh, just a simple contribution. Shouting, we have bylaws. Daytime, you must not exceed some decibels in this country. At night, you shouldn't. And if you are in a proxy, you should not. We don't enforce those rules. And it comes to a point where shouting becomes a nuisance. If shouting becomes a nuisance in a church, it becomes a madhouse. When you go to 1 Corinthians 14, it becomes a madhouse. That's what Paul said. If everybody is shouting, would not people tell you guys that you are crazy? crazy yeah. yeah, we are not establishing a mental asylum. We are worshiping the great God. Thank you. Recently, um, a Supreme Court in India ruled that um, the three key religions there, um, Islam, Christian, and Hindu. Hinduism. So the court said that looking at their history, all of them started over 1,000 uh, years ago. And the time they started, microphone was not in existence. There were no speakers. And all these religions have survived till date. And therefore, the Supreme Court banned the use of loudspeakers in churches and said it is not an infringement on the right of any of the churches because their history shows that they have survived without it. Amen. But we'll talk more about this praying and not just the shouting again. <laughs> We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, Aboni Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.